Welcome to Hancock Talks, your source for insights about life insurance trends and opportunities with a focus on tactics that can help drive your sales. This podcast is for financial professional use only. It is not intended for use with the public. This material is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide advice. The opinions and views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of John Hancock. Please listen to the important disclosures at the end of this podcast. Now, let's get started with our host today, AVP and Council Head of Advanced Markets, Carly Brooks. Hello, and welcome to Hancock Talks. I'm excited to be here today as the host of the show. Joining me today is Mark Berry. Mark is the Variable Life Vice President at John Hancock. He brings more than 20 years in the life insurance business and has tremendous industry experience, particularly when it comes to growing sales and helping drive strategic initiatives. Mark attended Tennessee Technological University and graduated with a bachelor degree in mechanical engineering. He maintains several industry licenses, including the CFP and CLU designations. Mark is also known here at John Hancock as our resident storyteller. And in the time that we have today, I'm super excited that Mark's joining us to share with us how he brings storytelling to the sales process. Welcome to the show, Mark. Oh, it's great to be here, Carly. Thank you. And like I said, Mark, you know, we all know you here at John Hancock as the guy who loves to tell stories, particularly about life insurance. So I'm so curious as we start our conversation today is where did storytelling start for you and how has that evolved over time? What's your go-to book or do you have a guru when it comes to telling sales stories? Oh, yeah. So Carly, I guess we all grew up hearing stories, right? When we're kids, we're we're hearing these stories. Maybe somebody's reading a book to us or something. And I, I found that over the years, I found that people really relate to stories and it's easier to get a point across if you can tell a story that matches with it. You know, a lot of people are verbal learners and some are visual learners, but even visual learners, if you can tell a story, sometimes you can paint a picture that gives them a visual, right? And that can help kind of get that point across. Now, as far as my favorite book, I think, Carly, you're going to laugh at me, but I'm just going to be as honest as I can about my favorite book. It's not what you would expect. My, my favorite all-time book is Dr. Seuss's Green Eggs and Ham. And I know what you're thinking. It's like, well, how can that be your favorite all-time book? So, you know, I, I, I looked this up and there was a challenge that Dr. Seuss's publisher had given him. It was a bet. Uh, and he bet Dr. Seuss that he couldn't write a book that had 100 or less unique words in it. And Dr. Seuss not only beat that handily, he did it with 50 different words. So green eggs and ham, when you go back and look, is 50 unique words and 49 of those words are one syllable. There's only one word that is not uh, one syllable. And that word is anywhere, by the way, if you want to know that word, right? Uh, but the other thing that I love about this book is that Sam I Am in this story is told no 72 times. And I, for me, it's the new rule of 72, which is, you know, until you've had a no 72 times, maybe you keep going. But but I think what Sam I am does is so great. He never stops smiling. He never gives up. And even after 72 times, he's still there. And finally, he gets the yes. So I just I love that whole all the little stories that go into that into that book. 
That's great. I love that your favorite book is Green Eggs and Ham. It's such a classic and certainly one I've read many times, although it's been a while and was one of my favorite books as a kid as well. But 72 times, I didn't know that. That's persistency, I think, at its core. So I love that message of keep on trying. And I think as it relates to Green Eggs and Ham too, I haven't thought about this book in a while, but there are some hidden messages really in that story. And uh, did you know that Dr. Seuss actually got his start in advertising? I did not know that, but I bet he was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I know. I, I read that somewhere and you know, I, I'm sure he was excellent at it because certainly the idea of persistency in storytelling comes naturally to him. And you know, another thing too about green eggs and ham that jumps out at me, I'm thinking about some of those underlying messages, but the simple vocabulary. So I didn't know that he only uses one syllable words, but that's fascinating to me because I think when you're talking about trying to convey messages effectively and you think about storytelling as a tool to do that, Green Eggs and Ham is known as this book that really resonated with young audiences and young readers who are learning how to read and appreciate that. And so they're drawn to that book. And I think that the simple vocabulary was really intentional and key to that book's success. And I think it teaches us not to overcomplicate things. I think, you know, sometimes in our world, certainly I'm an attorney, I, you know, we use lots of jargon and slang and acronyms. And so I think my mantra and yours as well, Mark, is to take complicated things and make them simple. And you do that so effectively with storytelling. So that jumped out at me as well. You know, it's funny, Carly, I'm so glad you said that because I've taken something from you today because I really hadn't even put that together about the simple language, because you're right, in, in our in our industry, whatever industry you're in, we tend to have our jargon, right, and our acronyms and, and fancy words. And if you can take that and make it into simpler language that more people can understand, I think that's another great story. So yeah, great point. I'm stealing that, Carly. I'm going to use that from now on. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And I think our stories work that we we learn from each other and borrow different things. So thanks for the lesson. You know, as we think about storytelling, Mark, can you share a little bit with our listeners about why storytelling is so important to the selling process or the planning process? How can producers apply some of the things that you've learned over the years to selling life insurance? Yeah, I think, Carly, it comes down to really three things for me. When you're using a story to try to reach someone, it's really connect, communicate, and clarify. And what I mean by this is connect really is that chance to relate or humanize ourselves. Uh, you know, I don't, don't just want to be a salesperson, right? I, I'm, I'm a human being trying to help them with something. And so sometimes if you can make that connection, that really makes quite a difference. But the communicate is just as important. And what I mean there is teaching. Usually it's a new concept or something they're not very familiar with that I'm trying to communicate. So I'm, I'm teaching something to them that they may not know and that could help them. But finally, the clarify part, I think, is just as important as well. And that is the understanding of it. And to your point, Carly, I think is a great one about using the simple language, right? Able to clarify something and help them understand what's going on. You know, the big thing for me, Carly, I just, I just don't ever want to be boring. And you're never boring. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> So if I'm hearing you, it's it's connection, it's communication, and it's clarifying. And I think that storytelling helps us to do all of that. And you know I love the passion and the energy that you bring. So I, I appreciate you sharing that with us. So Mark, what are you talking about right now? What are some of the things that you're out and about a lot, talking with firms, meeting with different people? What are some of the things that are resonating? And what are some of the stories that you're telling right now? Well, and I, I like what you just said, Carly, about being memorable and easy to remember. I think that's the key to these stories, right, is make them memorable, but easy to remember. And so, as you know, many things that we try to remember, Carly, are, are in threes, right? So we talk about our ABCs, 
uh, or one, two, threes. I mean, you could probably go through the list, Carly, of all types of things. But, you know, it's funny how many things in our lives are in threes. And that's what I like to do. I think if you can keep things in groups of three, it makes it more memorable. And so one story that I have been telling quite a bit that seems to work in our industry is a story that I call the three L's of planning. So really the way it works, Carly, if you want to picture a triangle, and I think visually, again, let's do a visual image, just picture a triangle in your head. And the three L's of planning really fit on each side of the triangle. And so the first one that I'll mention is legacy. And it goes on the bottom. It would be the base of the triangle. And legacy is this idea of planning for, you know, when you pass away, what happens to your estate? How do things get passed on to those people that you care about or even in a business situation, how do things get get passed on? Right. And I think that legacy piece is certainly the foundation of a lot of the conversations that we have. So it makes sense that that'd be the first L. What's the second L then? Yeah. So then if you look at your triangle on the left side, Carly, going up, it would be living, right? So if you've planned for the legacy, we also want to live as well, right? So we're still alive. We've planned this. But you know, the idea of having living benefits, and I think a lot of time that's overlooked, but having living benefits inside a life insurance policy that are so very important. And, you know, there's so many of them we could mention, but, you know, there are terminal illness benefits and critical illness benefits and things like that. And not to mention the potential cash value, even in some impermanent policies. So I think the living side is very important as well. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of people sometimes overlook that side of life insurance and think about it as the death benefit protection and and that story, which is obviously so key to what we do. But it's the fact that you can take something and really meet hybrid needs for living today as well is so important. So I'm on the edge of my seat now. What's what's the third L? (laughs) The third L is longevity. And I think this is probably the most overlooked or maybe misunderstood part is that this idea of And I'll say it this way, Carly, living too long, right? Some people would say it that way. But this idea of the longevity being that we are living longer than we used to. And having uh, some living benefits that can help with that phase of life as well uh, is very important. And sometimes I would tell people, if you have a personal experience here, you know, if you have a situation where you have taken care of a, a parent or a grandparent or somebody in your family or a friend, very powerful sometimes to share these types of stories, because I think it really hammers home the point that this has got to be planned for as well. It's very important. So three L's, we've got legacy, living, and longevity. Did I get it right? That's correct. That was very good. You got three of them. Very well. Very well done. <laughs> good to see the storytelling. I'm making me listen and retain that. Uh, but I love that. So you have the three L's, but how do you put that together in the way of you know, how you tell a story to apply those three L's? Right, right. And that's a great point, Carly. So here's our story with this. And I I think it works very well. It's a story about a famous mountain climber years ago that wanted to be the first to climb Mount Everest. And he was training and doing a lot of work and spending a lot of money. And a reporter sat down with him and asked him one time, he said, you know, what's the point? Why are you going to all this trouble to just climb this mountain? And this, this guy said the most famous three words in mountain climbing history. He said, because it's there. Now, if, if I were to ask you, Carly, who said that? I mean, who, who would you guess, just since you're my only audience participation member today, who, who would you guess probably said that? Well, I know a little bit about hiking and climbing. So is it, I want to say it's Sir Edmund Hillary. That, and that's a great guess. Uh, as you know, Sir Edmund Hillary was the first to plant the flag mm-hmm. on top of Mount Everest. He actually got up there with his Sherpa guide. Uh, and this guy's name was Tenzing Norgay. 
And he and Sir Edmund Hillary made it to the top of the mountain in 1953. Now, that's an important date. So remember that 1953 is when they got there. But the gentleman that said these famous words was a guy named George Mallory. And George Mallory in 1924, now, Carly, this is 29 years, almost 30 years before Sir Edmund Hillary. In 1924, George Mallory and his climbing partner were within 800 feet of the top of Mount Everest. And then they disappeared and were never seen or heard from again. And so it was a big mystery at the time, and and it made a lot of headlines in the news. On the 75th anniversary of that climb in 1999, the television show Nova and PBS funded an expedition to find out what happened to George Mallory. So it it was a big deal. And the idea wasn't to climb the mountain. It was to go up there and look around and see if they could find him. Before they left, they found out George Mallory's daughter was still alive, and they met with her. And she was probably, I don't know, Carly in her 80s at the time. They told her what they were going to do, and it was amazing that she was very excited about this, you know, because she wanted to know, too, what really happened. But she told them something they didn't know before. She said, if you do find him, and he's still got his wallet on him, he kept a picture of my mother in there, and he swore to her if he ever made it to the top of Mount Everest, he would leave that picture on the top of the mountain. And so it's kind of cool. They armed with this new information. They went up there and believe it or not, Carly, in a couple of weeks, they actually found George Mallory. And what they found was that the people that understand mountain climbing and the forensics at the scene suggested that George Mallory, he had fallen, but he was coming down the mountain. Okay. So based on the equipment he had out, they had determined that, yes, he did fall and that's what uh, got him. But what was most interesting is that Because of the cold, everything was very well preserved, and his wallet was still on him, and that picture of his wife was not in there. Wow. That that gives me chills. What an incredible story. So it sounds like we have proof then. It sounds like Mallory was the first up the mountain. Well, you know, and that's that was the mystery, right? But it's interesting. Sir Edmund Hillary certainly knew this story. And so a reporter actually asked Sir Edmund Hillary about George Mallory. It's interesting. You know, just think about here's Sir Edmund Hillary conquered the mountain and a reporter had the nerve to ask this question, but I think it was a bold question and it was a good one. They asked, it said, so do you really think that maybe George Mallory was the first to make it to the top of the mountain? And this is what Sir Edmund Hillary said, and I love this. And this is ties it all back together. He said, it's not good enough just to make it to the top of the mountain. For it to count, you have to make it safely back down. And I think, Carly, that's really the point here for all of us, right, is this this idea that it's no longer good enough just to plan for someone to make it to retirement or even to life expectancy, right? We've really got to think about that longevity piece and, and help our clients make it safely back down, back down that mountain, if you will. That's an amazing story. I love that. And I think it connects the three L's on so many levels. And when we think about the work that we do and how you're planning for things like retirement and legacy planning, you do have to sort of take it, take it one step further and think about holistic planning and that approach really throughout the process. So I, I think it's an amazing story. And you know, how are you helping sort of bring that to life? How can our listeners bring that story to their customers and tie that back into the, what, what we do? Yeah, so so to bring it home, Carly, I think if again, if you go back to the three L's, basically the triangle, and you think about legacy, right? Well, that like you said, that is life insurance. Life insurance provides a an income tax free death benefit. It's a great legacy tool or a product for people to have. The idea of the living side is so important as well. And not only are there living 
benefit riders that are available on life insurance policies. But at John Hancock, of course, we have vitality, which really encourages people to live better and healthier lives. And, you know, it's interesting, Carly, this is actually good for the insured as well as us, right? It's, it's actually in our best interest for people to live longer, healthier lives too. So it's a win-win on that one. And then the longevity piece, you know, we have the living benefit riders to help with things like this, with help with that longevity phase of life. So it's, it's just a really a great opportunity to look at the products that we offer, the modern John Hancock products that have all three of those capabilities. And it just get, it's a great story and a great way to help really that what I call that uh, the three L's of planning, right? It's all ties it together. Absolutely. And I think you point out our living benefits is a, is a differentiator, I think, for John Hancock, especially where you think about the ability to take something that is traditionally thought of as income replacement or legacy protection. And all of that's really important in what we do. But when you bring in the three L's and think about the, the different ways that we can allow for our customers to take advantage of those benefits while they're living. It's not purchased once, set in a drawer and forgotten about. It's It really helps to put it all together. So thanks for walking through that. I'm curious to know, though, how does the story end with Sir Hillary? It sounds like he, he made it up and down, but what can we learn from Sir Hillary? I'm so glad you asked that, Carly, because that is kind of how I end this story, because I, I think this is important, right? It, it, you go back to the George Mallory story and the fact that he was that close with 30 years of almost 30 years less technology to get that close. But, you know, I go back to what did Sir Edmund Hillary have other than that 30 years of technology that George Mallory did not have. And what Sir Edmund Hillary had was a guide. He had a Sherpa guide. This guy was named Tenzing Norgay. And so he had this guide to help him find his way up there and help him get his way back. And that's really what I think we in the as financial professionals can be as well. We can be the guide for our customers and our clients. This is a tough discussion. I mean, especially that longevity part of the discussion. It's very tough to have that discussion. It's not an easy one. But we can be the guides to help guide people through that thought process and, and have that discussion and really what products and services are available to help them really navigate, I guess, the entire adventure of life, if you will, Carly, right, to make it safely back down. It's really well stated, and we can't lose sight of the fact that we we do need to have those guides and financial professionals really serve such a valuable purpose to help with those legacy living and longevity challenges that our clients face, particularly in the retirement distribution phase. And so you know, as I think about the three L's, as you've told me, it can help to provide a really unique and powerful backstop. But I, I just love how you framed the story, not to show what life insurance is, but what it does. And that you know, it's a story within a story that's memorable, it's simple, it's actionable. So you know, as always, it's always great to hear from you, Mark. And I, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. I know our listeners learned a lot about the power of telling stories in the planning process. So thank you so much for joining us today, Mark. Carly, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. This was great. Thank you. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Hancock Talks. For more resources on today's topic, as well as access to more information about how to grow your insurance business, visit us at jhsaleshub.com. And don't forget to download and subscribe to the show to get new episodes as they become available. Thanks for listening and have a great day. 
This information is for educational purposes only and is not intended to be a recommendation of any particular product or is providing advice. Clients should consult with their own independent professionals regarding his or her own circumstances. The opinions and views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of John Hancock. These opinions are subject to change and there is no guarantee that any forecast made will come to pass. Life insurance death benefit proceeds are generally excludable from the beneficiary's gross income for income tax purposes. There are a few exceptions, such as when a life insurance policy has been transferred for valuable consideration. Comments on taxation are based on John Hancock's understanding of current tax law, which is subject to change. No legal, tax, or accounting advice can be given by John Hancock, its agents, employees, or licensed agents. Prospective purchasers should consult their tax professional for details. Vitality is the provider of the John Hancock Vitality Program in connection with policies issued by John Hancock. Rewards and discounts may vary, are subject to change, and are not guaranteed to remain the same for the life of the policy. Life insurance products are issued by John Hancock Life Insurance Company USA, Boston, Mass. 02116, not licensed in New York, and John Hancock Life Insurance Company of New York, Valhalla, New York, 10595. This recorded material may have been recorded to support the promotion or marketing of the topics addressed in this recorded material. Individuals interested in the topics discussed should consult with independent professionals to examine legal, tax, accounting, or financial aspects of these topics. MLINY 02082302 1.